Oh no, this terrible tragedy is happening. God, if you help me out of this, I promise I'll never do this again. Are you making a bargain with God when he's been trying to show you the right path for a long time? Or are you trying to give God the terms by which he should do things? Or will you listen to him? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded, and you'll find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com. That's our central hub. And on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You will find us in person every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. in the Wilkesbury Public Square, so be sure to come and join us. And you can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. You've probably heard, well, maybe you thought this, that life is good. That is, it's good until it's not good. We seem to cry out to God when we are in need, but we get silent when everything's going well. It's amazing how well our ears are tuned when we are in pain and sorrow. Sometimes God's fix in the middle of our sorrow doesn't seem to make any sense and stretches us to the limit. Here in the account that we're going to read this morning, we find two different encounters with Christ. Someone that gets an answer quickly and at least at first glance, um, and then someone who gets an answer after it looks like there's no hope. And so we're going to be looking at both of those. But uh, in order to do that, we are going to be reading out of that same uh, synthesis of scripture before that I've been using. Uh, And we're going to be looking at Matthew, let's see, Matthew 9, 18 through 26, Mark 5, 22 through 43, and Luke 8, 41 through 56. So I'm going to just start reading um, here in this place. While he was saying these things to them, behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, came in, And seeing him, that is seeing Jesus, he knelt before him and fell at his feet and implored him earnestly to come to his house, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. As Jesus went with him, a great crowd followed him and thronged about him and pressed around him. And behold, there was a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living that she had on physicians, she was no better, but rather grew worse and could not be healed by anyone. 
She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I touch his garment, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who was it that touched my garments? When all denied it, Peter and his disciples said, Master, you see the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you, and yet you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And he looked around to see who had done it. But when the woman, knowing what had happened to her, saw that she was not hidden, she came in, she came in fear and trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people the whole truth, why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when Jesus came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James, and the father and mother of the child. And Jesus saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly for her. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? Go away, for the girl's not dead, but she's sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately her spirit returned and the girl got up at once and began walking for she was 12 years of age and her parents were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them to tell no one what had happened and he directed them to give her something to eat. And the report of this went throughout all that district. So we talked about, you know, life feeling like it's good. And then it's good when things feel good. It's good when things are going good. But then when things fall apart, oftentimes where we may not have really looked to God at all, we start looking toward God. We start asking questions. We start seeking his face. We start reading a Bible. We start going to church. And so when life's not good, we start to pray. We seem to cry out to him in desperation and in need. And I'm not saying necessarily that the people that we read in this account are perhaps uh, doing something ill or doing something wrong in their lives, but it's just like now that there was this trouble they went after to seek Jesus, that's I think part of the human condition, God uses trouble to get our attention. But notice the two different people, Jairus, the man whose daughter was at the point of death, and then the other lady who had been for years suffering with this problem that she had where she had been bleeding. And these two people have this encounter with Jesus at this time. And there's a little bit of a backstory all behind it. Maybe you'll find that you are somewhat in the same place as these people. So I want to deal first with the crying need. So here's Jairus. All this buzz about Jesus has been going around all over the place. Jairus just happens to be fortunate to be in his pathway at this time. So 
Jairus, when he sees Jesus, drops down to his knees. Now, dropping down to his knees, that shows that he was helpless, and yet Jesus somehow was going to be able to do something about it. So he falls down on his knees. I mean, everything that's going through his mind is his daughter's so sick. She's dying. What am I supposed to do? I've, I've tried everything I know how to do, but here comes this Jesus. So he falls down on his knees, basically saying like, I can do nothing, but in humility, I'm dropping before you. Maybe you can do something. Please save her before she dies. That's the cry going out of the heart. Anybody that's listening to this, whether you're a mother or a father, think about, think about this for a moment. This is terrible. Uh, what, what would we do when our loved ones are, are at the point of death before us? And especially with, with a child that's so young that hasn't even lived life to its full. We don't want the child to die. We want this child to live. All the, all the thoughts that are going through our minds, all the emotions that are attached to it and the despair that seems to fall over us. And we drop down on our knees and say, oh God, if you can do something, that's kind of the heart that Jairus had right now. If you can do something, please do something. Jesus, looking at this whole situation, he agrees to go and to at least see what this man's talking about. And this man's thinking, great, he agrees, so my daughter's going to be well. But Jesus agreed, but things got in the way of that immediacy that Jairus felt. And you know, oftentimes you and I, we may have what feels like an urgent need. And it seems like God's ignoring our need or other things seem to just happen that delay what we think should be happening. You're praying with urgency, you know, God, do something about my daughter, do something about this whole situation. And then everything seems to fall apart and nothing's going well. You know, our needs are real. We've got gut-wrenching needs. We've got pains. We've got, we, we experience, we have sorrows. You know, that may be sickness, that may be sickness and death with other people, might be with ourselves, it may be financial setbacks, it could be we lost our job, it could be so many different things, and to us, our world is collapsing. And the thing is, God doesn't minimize these needs, he sees them, they are needs, they are things that, that trouble us, they are things that bother us, they hit to the core of who we are, they are our real needs. And we just cry out to God because we don't know anything else what to do. So we may feel frantic about this whole thing. But Jesus, especially as we're looking in this account, Jesus has this unnatural calm. Um, and I say it's unnatural because from our perspective, things look really terrible and what are we going to do? But then we look at Jesus and it seems like, why isn't he hurrying up? Why isn't he doing something about this now? Things are getting worse. And think about Jairus. Come on, let's run, let's sprint. We got to take care of this. This is terrible. Come on, Jesus. How many times Jesus spoke and moved on his own timetable time against what others had thought when we look in the scripture? One thing that comes to my mind, uh, and there could be various different other ones, but one of which is his brothers say to him, okay, if, you really, if you're really who you say you are, then why don't you go up to this feast and show yourself to the world? And yet he says, your time's always ready. You can go to the feast, but my time's not ready. And so they end up going up to the feast and Jesus goes up at a later time. Jesus' timetable is not ours. I think of Lazarus. Lazarus was at the point of death and then he died and he, he waits three days. He gets to where everybody's mourning and sorrowful. And 
One of the ladies comes up to him and says, if you had been here sooner and you got here before this happened, then he wouldn't have died. As if to say, Lord, your timetable's so off. You didn't come through when we thought you were going to. And dear listener, I'm telling you this not as an expert in this field because this is hard. It's hard to deal with. I don't know how to deal with that. I mean, except to look up into the face of God. I wish I, I wish I could know it, I guess, when I'm in the midst of it. And I think that the, the Holy Spirit is faithful. He does help us there. But at any rate, this is easier said than done. So we think, why are you not taking care of my problem, Jesus? And I would, I would venture to say that Jairus, you know, he, he kind of feels this, this he, he senses the urgency himself, but he feels like, what's going on? Why aren't you doing something at this moment? But you know, even in the midst of all that, Jesus in mercy, he gave Jairus, a, you know, an answer, a token of, of assurance that he's going to go ahead and do something. And you know, Christ in mercy does the same to us. He gives us some token to assure us that he's going to take care of the situation. And we may sometimes feel that God's going to answer according to what we think should happen when he may give us some assurance that he's going to take care of the situation and he's going to answer it. He may have a different plan as to how that's going to be answered. And yet you and I, we find, I really don't know what to do about this. Uh, I wish God would really come through right now. And I kind of think that's where Jairus is at the moment. So here's a man who has this really acute situation before him where his daughter's at the point of death. And at the point of death, he's he wants Jesus to take care of this right now. This is this huge thing he's got to deal with. But is that all that Jesus was meaning to do that day? In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So here we find Jairus, where is this is where the whole thing started. He was the one that came to Jesus asking for help. And yet, as he's on his way, something else takes place. The interruption, if we could call it that. And it appears to be, as we're looking through all this, that everybody wants to follow Jesus. You know, all these people have heard the stories about Jesus. They've heard, you know, that he's come, he's, he's done great miracles. So... Naturally, as he's done great miracles, they're following this man around. They think he's a prophet, perhaps. I don't know all what's going on in their mind. Some of them, maybe the buzz is that he is the Messiah, but it seems to be that throngs of people are following him, and it's more for the entertainment factor, I believe, for the most part. And how do we know that? Um, We'll get into that in a minute, but there's still some of that same element in our day. Basically, people would flock to some big like gospel concert or some kind of thing like that uh, because the question that's going through their mind is, well, that sounds like something, you know, nice or whatever. Maybe it sounds even pleasing, but what would Jesus do for me? 
Maybe he'll do something miraculous for me. I need something miraculous. And so throngs of people will go to a church if there's something flashy, if there's something in it for them. But the problem is, is where's the deep spiritual interest? Where is all that? So here's the throngs of people that are uh, uh, around Jesus Christ, but yet where's the deep spiritual interest? Where's the faith? Where's, where's, you know, where's the, the, the true help here? Um, and where's the true desire after him? Well, in that entire throng, we have read that there was one particular person, one lady. I don't know what the what the, a specific number of uh, throng is supposed to be, but there's a throng of people and only one lady, only one lady out of a throng of people where it seems like Jesus was having a really hard time moving around because they're squeezing on every side. One lady gets a benefit. It says that she was bleeding. She had some issue of blood for 12 years. That's crazy. You know, the thing is, is that she's a nobody though. There's probably other people that were in higher positions in society that are more well-known or whatever. None of them basically went up to Jesus like this lady did. And none of them seemed to catch the Lord's um, attention like this lady did. She's a nobody. She's got nothing to recommend herself to Jesus Christ. But she also has a crying need. Jairus had a crying need. She did also. The same tender mercy that was toward Jairus, Jesus has towards this lady whom he meets. And in Jairus's mind, this lady's a terrible interruption. My daughter's almost going to die. Come on. That, that's probably what he felt inside of his heart. But let me ask you, if you were in this situation, what would you do in the same circumstance? Uh, I'd like to think that, you know, I would, I would take care of these other needs. And I think to a certain extent I might, but I know I'd be feeling the crazy pressure. Like, oh no, what about this guy? What about the one whose daughter's dying? But yet yeah, Jesus, he didn't do that. Um, and Lord help us and Lord help us to get a fresh perspective of who Jesus is so that we're not, you know, just kind of going around filled with troubles and anxieties and, and not knowing what's going on. Lord help us to see what we need to see. The problem is, is that here's this no name woman. She spent all of her living on physicians for these 12 years. All the money she had, she's trying to spend on physicians to, to better herself so that she can be healed. Um, and there was no help whatsoever. You know, those kind of things happen in our day. There's those people that they sell certain remedies, whether they be herbal or whatever it is, and some breakthrough remedy, this, that, and the other, and you take it. And I don't know, maybe it doesn't seem like anything happened. And you know what? There are some that are legitimate where there is help there, but oftentimes there's that feeling of disappointment. Like I spent all this money on this and I, I don't have anything. I know somebody who's terribly ill right at the moment, who spent thousands upon thousands of dollars on all sorts of um, treatments where people promised that it was going to take care of it. And it didn't. Um, and this lady is in the same way, but you know what? There's poor souls now that you look on the television and you see people, the likes of Benny Hinn, faith healers and, you know, putting the hand on the forehead and pushing people to the ground and uh, Kenneth Copeland and others. Oh, if you really want a blessing in your life, then just send the money this way and God will bless you. Those men are rich. They're taking advantage of these people that are in 
terrible situations. Notice Jesus didn't charge this lady any money whatsoever. These other people are hucksters, supposed faith healers. They're really ashamed to the church of Jesus Christ and to what Jesus had done on the cross and to the heart and compassion of Jesus Christ. All the other times that she offered money, she got no help. But the time that she comes to Jesus and has nothing to offer, there she gets help. That's where Jesus specializes, by the way. When we have nothing to offer, then he comes in, he steps in, he helps us. And Jesus answers the simple faith of the nobodies, like this lady. In, an, in a huge crowd of people, Jesus takes the time and answers the faith of this lady. <clears throat> no doubt, she heard the reports about Jesus. Not only did that whole crowd hear the reports, and that's why they're following him around, but she heard the reports of Jesus. You know, faith led the way in the midst of all of that. And so she gets herself through the crowd. She touches the fringe of his garment. She's thinking to herself, if only I can just touch the fringe of his garment, then I'll be healed. And she does, and it happens. Let me ask you, is that the kind of faith that you have when you're looking after Jesus? Are you in some straits right now? Are you in a terrible afflictions? Are you in troubles and trials and you don't know what to do with them? But just the mention of Jesus perhaps fills your heart with longing or hope or possibility. Are you going to be like this lady? Will your faith lead the way to him? Will you, will you grab hold with action? You know, will you go forward and act on your faith? So out of the throng that pressed on Jesus on every side, only one benefited from this healing virtue. And why is that? Because her faith was put into action. Because of her humility where she realized, I've given everything to everyone else. I've got nothing to offer him, but I'm just going to go straight up to him. And if I can only touch his garment, he'll heal me. And it's still the same today. There's throngs of people that name the name of Jesus Christ that have bumper stickers, they've got necklaces, all that kind of stuff, but they don't really get the benefit of, from Christ as others do. And I've spoke with others that said they tried to walk with Jesus, but it didn't work, or they tried to get saved, and it's just not working. But let me ask you the question, how is your true biblical faith? Because we can just say, I, I said a little prayer and went forward, but if we don't really stake our all upon Jesus Christ, we don't have that biblical faith. If we don't have the faith that then moves us in action to do something about what we believe, then it's only just things rattling around in our mind. It hasn't yet got to the heart. It hasn't gripped the person of God who has the power. So how is your faith if you're in the midst of these troubles and trials? This lady's faith was simple and yet powerful. Jesus rewarded her for her faith. And he said to her, your faith has made you whole. It's still the same today. If anyone's going to be whole from spiritual ailments, if anyone's going to be whole from physical ailments, it's going to be because of our faith, according to our faith, be it unto us. And Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to do for us the same things if our faith is the same as this lady's. That is, according to his will, he's got purposes and plans for all things. Remember in the beginning how I started with that. We think he's going to answer in a certain way, but he ends up going another way. But imagine now at this point, Jairus' anxiety is going through the roof. And he's thinking, oh, the interruption. You know, the interruption seemed terrible to Jairus, but we know now something far greater had happened. 
Jairus had this really acute situation which was, which was going on. His daughter's at the point of death, but this lady had 12 years at least of waiting and setbacks. And Jairus had the one big setback. Both of them had a need. It was just kind of different how it presented itself. But then we see the great miracle in the midst of the interruption. Out comes this announcement. Some guy from that ruler, Jairus's house, says that your daughter's dead. You know, don't, don't bother the teacher anymore. Just leave him be. And you know, Jairus is probably thinking, oh no, hope's lost. My daughter's dead. Oh, if only this crowd wasn't here. If only this lady didn't touch the fringe of his garment. If, if, if is going through his mind over and over again. And listener, that's happened to you too. If, if, if. Don't trouble the teacher, teacher anymore. You know, okay, well, Jesus is finally off the hook now. And sometimes we pray about the situation and feel like we've got, we gave it a good go, but it just, it didn't work. So I guess we're just going to move on now. But God would have us to continue to look to him, just like Jesus instructed Jairus. Sometimes when things don't work out the way we'd like, we could get bitter against God, but don't get bitter against God. Look to God for help. He's going to help. It's not his fault. We're in a fallen world. So Jesus spoke to, to Jairus words of comfort, encouraging in him hope and faith. And he told him, she's going to be well. And you know what? Jairus must have sensed something in Jesus' words that led him to continue to believe and to continue to follow. Because at this point, he just got the word that his daughter died, but he's going to still follow him and believe him. And really, Jesus' words are the only direction and comfort in the midst of deep confusion and darkness. We have no hope. We have no answer. We got nowhere else to turn to. If Jesus isn't going to come through, what? What are we going to do? And the light comes from the living Christ, not just a bunch of empty sayings on a page in a book. We, we need the Bible, but he breathes life into that. And that is where we get light. That's where we're going to get hope is through him. He's alive and well now. Jesus gets to their house and there's the professional mourners for her passing. And that really was the thing. People would come and weep and wail and mourn. And Jesus told them to stop because she's not dead. She's just sleeping and they all are laughing at him. They think this guy's a nutcase. But Jesus speak things that are not as though they were. She's not dead. She sleeps. So he moves everyone out. And then he just has the disciples that were with him and the parents of the daughter come into the room. What a witness that was for, for his disciples. What a witness it was for the parents to see it. And maybe it was because they were the only ones that still had faith and hope in this and everyone else had laughed him to scorn and he saw in them, there was a spark of faith and he wasn't going to quench it. And at that moment, Jesus spoke words of authority. Little girl, arise. Here's this 12-year-old girl. She gets up immediately and she begins walking. The parents saw the incredible miracle. The disciples saw the incredible miracle. And he says, don't say anything to anyone. Will you act on the words when God speaks to you? Are you going to move forward? Or are we going to just turn around and be like, well, all hope's lost. I guess there's nothing to do. But you know, when Jesus speaks, there's power in his words. And that power is unleashed by our obedience and by our faith. He's got all the power in the world, but I've got to walk in faith. I've got to grip his words with both hands and then act on it when he speaks. He says to the parents, don't tell anybody what happened here. But according to the Bible, it appears that they must have. I mean, really, could you keep this to yourself if this happened and your family, some, some notable miracle had taken place? Could you keep it to yourself? Well, they couldn't. They had to go tell everyone what had happened. Are you swimming through troubled waters right now, listener? Where will you turn? 
Maybe you've turned everywhere, everywhere but Jesus, that is until now. Is he speaking to you right at this moment? Then listen to his voice. Jesus' voice instills faith and hope. Let God answer in his way and time while you wait on him and trust in him. Dear listener, I don't have the perfect answer for whatever it is that you're going through except Jesus Christ. Timing and how it looks can't tell you. There's so many different variables that are in the mix that you and I don't know of, but God does. Give your case over to Jesus. Look to him in faith. Fling yourself on him and upon his mercy and see what he'll do. Go after these people. Maybe you find yourself like Jairus. Maybe you find yourself like the woman who's had this long-standing issue. Either way, Jesus cares about your situation and may God help you. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself, set up a time to meet, coach. I want to coach and help you further in your journey to God. And then I want you to go to our social media, uh, like and follow us. That's Facebook, YouTube, Gab. There's going to be more teaching and preaching. You can connect with other people. And I want you to tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK here. And then uh, about our uh, meetings that are at 11 a.m. out in the public square at Wilkesbury. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.